Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett, and it is Friday, and today is Veterans Day. And so I want to thank all the men and women who have served our nation in the armed forces. We so appreciate you protecting and standing up for our freedoms. What an honor it is to be in a military community and to be in a community with the largest naval air station in the world right here in Norfolk, Virginia. And so all of you who have served or are still serving, thank you so much for the blessing you are to our nation, to our community. We salute you today and we thank you for your service to our nation. Well, on January the 8th, 1835, President Andrew Jackson had a goal and he achieved that goal of entirely paying off the United States national debt. Now, it's been the only time in U.S. history that the national debt has stood at zero. And it participated in allowing us to have a good time, but then it led to a financial crisis. You say, well, is debt a good idea then? Well, as I think about debt, debt is really not the problem per se, but it's not being able to manage debt. And for years, as I have led our church and as I led my life personally, I made a decision, my wife and I made a decision uh, when we got married 30-some years ago that we would not go into debt for anything that would be consumable or anything that would depreciate in value. Uh, So we'd go in debt to purchase things like a home or or something that would increase in value. Uh, We had a few little student loans uh, when we first got married, but we got those paid off really early because they were very small. And we felt like our education was well worth the investment. Of course, now uh, so many people have an exorbitant amount of college debt. I think that you must be looking at that carefully before you get yourself into a debt that you cannot pay. And so uh, as I pastor our church, uh, the only debt that we have as a church is the mortgage on the property and the buildings. And we know that they will always, uh, Lord willing, always will appreciate in value. And so as you look at how do I manage debt, I think if you look at work, for most of us, The number one way in which we generate income is through our work. In Proverbs chapter 16, it says, commit your work to the Lord, then it will succeed. So I want to encourage you to pray for the company that you work for. If you're working uh, for a government position, uh, if you're in the military or civil service job, pray that the Lord blesses our nation economically. Be thankful for the job that you have. Now, years ago, I knew a guy uh, who did nothing but complain about his job. Uh, He worked here at the Norfolk uh, Ford plant that closed several years ago, and I begged with him to be thankful for his job. Uh, I mean, because he was highly paid. He was paid more than he probably could have earned outside of the Ford plant, and uh, he was earning a lot and didn't have a whole lot of education. And so the company, as you know, the, the Ford plant closed and he lost a very good job. Now I think about committing your work to the Lord, then it will prosper. We have all heard the expression, don't bite the hand that feeds you, but too often we do. So let's talk about this subject today on this Veterans Day. Let's talk about how can I do well at work? How can I commit my work to the Lord so that it will succeed? Well, I think the first thing you've got to do is Seek God's will regarding my career. You know, you're going to spend a lot of time working. 
about 150,000 hours of your life, which is about 40% of your time, is going to be invested in working. And that's way too much time to invest in something that is not God's will for your life. So if you're young, pray about God's plan. A survey was done by Business Week magazine, and it reported that only one out of six Americans are content with their job. That means that nearly 83% of Americans are dissatisfied with the work they're doing. The most consistent complaint was it was a lack of fulfillment, or they didn't feel like they had a long-term purpose in their job. You know, the Lord is pleased when good men pray. So why don't we pray about God's will regarding our career? You know, he who plans a thing, it will be successful. Prayer and planning, these are two things, kind of two wings of success that will help us to soar like an eagle. So instead of just like falling into a career, why don't we pray and then we can plan for a career? This will affect all areas of our lives. As a matter of fact, I knew at age 15 that God had called me into the ministry. And because of that, I began to prepare. Now, I fought that calling uh, for six years. Those are the six most miserable years of my life, age 15 to 21. But when I finally followed God's will for my life in my career, I began to prepare. I changed my major. I was a business major. I actually have a minor in business administration, and I changed my college uh, education and ended up going on getting a master's degree, but I changed my major. I also did something else. Now, you're going to think this is strange, but I would recommend this to everyone, no matter what career you're going into, is making sure that if you feel like God is calling you into a particular area to work, that your spouse shares that vision for that. Now, that doesn't mean that your spouse has to be necessarily involved in it, but they do have to be supportive. For example, if you feel like the Lord's called you to go into the military, but yet your wife wants you to be not being deployed ever in your married life, there's going to be a problem there. And so I would encourage you not to marry somebody who has got plans for a career that you feel like would be disruptive to your marriage. In my case, I wanted to make sure that my wife shared the calling of ministry. And so I would not even date anybody unless they felt called to go into the ministry. You know, a wise man thinks ahead, but a fool doesn't. And a fool even brags about not thinking ahead. So without exception, most people are trapped. They may be trapped in a well-paying job, but it's not meeting their inner needs. They're feeling disgruntled and they're not happy, right? Proverbs 13, 7 says, the one who pretends to be rich, but has nothing. Another pretends to be poor, but has great wealth. So many times we make a decision just on the bottom line. I'm going to go into this career because it's well, it's a well-paying job. And you don't look at the bigger picture. Is that really what God wants you to do? I found that if you follow a God-given, legitimate passion in your life, that God will always make sure that your needs are taken care of. You know, one of the reasons that I didn't want to go into ministry, one of the things I offered up to God was that I grew up in very small churches where the pastor was never well taken care of. And it wasn't that the church didn't want to take care of the pastor, 
They weren't able to take care of the pastor. The congregation was just so small, and and they were struggling to pay the bills. And so uh, the pastor kind of got the short end of the stick. And no, again, no fault on the congregation. They couldn't give something to the pastor that they didn't have. But I saw that, and that was my experience. And I said, you know, if I'm going to be a pastor, that means I'm going to be poor, and and I'm never going to have money. And and then I got thinking, listen, God is going to have to take care of my needs. Following God's will is more important than following money. Because God takes care of your needs. You know, there's nothing wrong with a successful career. In fact, God promises great blessings, right? Proverbs 22, 4 says, The reward of humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. However, attitude is the key ingredient in any vocational decision. Is this decision made by worldly standards? That's you know, ego and security and income? Or am I making this decision to please God and to serve God, and thus I can serve other people? Because if you're only doing something for money, Solomon says, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves abundance with its income. This too is vanity. So if you really want to be motivated, and do well at your career, do well at the work that God called you to, seek His will. Number two, if you want to do well, sharpen your skills. Once you figure out where God has you serving, or where God has you working, Ecclesiastes 10.10 says, if your axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring about success. So attend conferences, read and talk with the experts, and learn from them. Sharpen those skills. Listen, if God's called you to do something, He's called you to do it with excellence. If you're a believer, you ought to be the hardest worker at your place of employment. You ought to be the one that is willing to go to the extra training, to sharpen your skills. In Proverbs 15, 22, it says, Get all the advice you can, and you'll succeed. Without it, you will fail. I remember when I began serving as a chaplain, I had no idea what a prison chaplain does. I teamed up with this guy who had been a prison chaplain for about 20 years. And I said, now listen, I don't know what it means to be a prison chaplain. I don't know how to be a prison chaplain. I said, can you help a brother out? And so, sure enough, he kind of mentored me for several months as I began working with the men at Indian Creek Correctional Center. And what's really cool is now that I've been doing it for a little while, I had the opportunity to help others sharpen their skills in a prison environment and working with those who are incarcerated. You see, you develop skills from trial or error, or you can develop from other people. So sharpen your skills. Ask yourself, am I teachable? Am I willing to learn more about my job so that I can excel? Here's a third way in which you can excel at the workplace. And I'm calling this share the profits. You say, what do you mean by sharing the profits? Well, let me kind of give you a way of looking at it. I'm going to give you a list of names, and I'm going to tell you who they are, and I want you to try to figure out what they all have in common. Here is the first guy, William Colgate. He was a founder of 
Colgate-Palmolive Corporation. Number two, Henry Crowell. Uh, He was the founder of Quaker Oats Corporation. William Proctor. He was the founder of Proctor & Gamble Corporation. R.G. Letourneau, founder of Letourneau Corporation. That's that company that makes those big uh, earth-moving equipment. Wallace Johnson, founder of Holiday Inns. Robert Welch, founder of Welch Grape Juice. John D. Rockefeller, Sr., founder of Standard Oil. J.C. Penney, founder of J.C. Penney. As you look at the list of people I just mentioned, they all have one thing in common. They're all different businesses, different personalities, different levels of wealth, different levels of intellect, but the one thing they all have in common is they all believed in sharing the profits. They all gave back. They all believed in giving to their churches, and they all believed in giving back to the people that worked for them. You know, years ago, a young man began a small cheese business in Chicago. Now, he failed miserably. He went deep into debt. A friend told him, you know, the problem is, is you didn't commit your business to God and you haven't worked with his help. The young man says, well, if God wants to run the cheese business, then he can do it and I'll work for him and with him and I'll share the profits. From that moment on, God became the senior partner in this business. It prospered. It became one of the largest cheese companies in the world. That young man's name was J.L. Kraft. Here the Bible is clear. Honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income, and he will fill your barns to overflow. That's how God takes care of us. Listen, if you want to excel at your place of employment, First of all, make sure that you are in the center of God's will. Seek God's will regarding your career. You're going to spend so much time working, you don't want to spend all that time doing something that you really hate that's outside of God's will. And number two, make sure that you sharpen your skills. Be the top person in your profession, or at least strive to be the top person. You know, as I think about how God works in my life, God's never really called me to be the best. He's called me to give my best. So give your best in doing well in the place where God has your employment. Number three, share the profits by being generous to those who work with you. Uh, Be generous in giving back to your church. You're going to discover that God blesses you because of your generosity. I'm so thankful that we have so many generous people at Hickory Ridge Community Church. You know, this broadcast is made possible because of the generosity of God's people. Our church is made possible because of the generosity of God's people. And we're not the only one that understands this. God loves generosity. God so loved the world that he gave. And here's the number four. If you want to do well at your work, you got to stay with it. Just hang in there. Proverbs 12, 24 says, Diligence brings a man power. Determined to stay longer at what God has called you to do. 
I'm determined to outlive my critics. I remember we we uh, uh, when I was uh, selling, uh, I'm going to outlive my critics. Steady plotting brings about prosperity. Whatever you do, whether it be eating or drinking, work as unto the Lord, not for men, remembering that the Lord will return and reward you. You see, persistence. That is a major theme in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 27, 19 says, A mirror reflects a man's face, but what he is really like is shown by the kind of friends he chooses. When we look at this matter of staying with it, persistence, I've got to be honest with you. I am not a multi-talented person. I'm very... Sometimes I get jealous of those who can do singing and and people who are good at drama and people that are good at at putting things together. Uh, I've got to be honest with you. I'm a plotter, right? I steadily plot at things. Persistence, as found in the book of Proverbs, is this recurring theme. You know, if you've been reading through the book, and I would encourage you, as you read through every day, if you will read a proverb a day, every month you go through the book of Proverbs, If you read five Psalms a day, every month you go through the book of Psalms. So Proverbs gives you wisdom. Psalms gives you comfort. You need both in your life. Uh, You probably need five times as much comfort as you do wisdom. But Proverbs reminds us a whole lot of things. And it reminds us of what happens to the guy who is called Mr. Sluggard. He's the lazy guy, right? And it says, the lazy guy does this, but the diligent guy does this. The slugger does this, but the, the man who perseveres does this. Perseverance and persistence and diligence, determination, tenacity, endurance. These are qualities that Proverbs says are ingredients for successful work. It's that ability to keep on keeping on. Proverbs 12, 24 says, Diligence brings a man to power. In other words, persistence pays off. You conquer something by continuing, keeping on. As somebody said this, you know, the oak tree, it's just a little nut that refused to give up. Keep on keeping on. Diligence and persistence brings a man to power. You know, when the Duke of Wellington, who defeated Napoleon at Waterloo, was asked, how come the British army was so successful? He said, it's because the British army has been trained to always fight for an additional five minutes longer than anybody else. Keep on keeping on. Stay the course. Most people give up too soon. Successful people just don't know how to quit on their dream. They just keep on keeping on and they don't know how to quit. Somebody asked William Carey, who is the first modern missionary, what is the secret of your success? He says, I can plod. Do you know how to do that? You don't have to be a genius to succeed in life. You just have to be persistent. Keep on keeping on. Plodding and going and working and persevering. Enduring with a tenacity determined to have a good attitude. You know, the first man to fly over the English Channel, built 10 planes. Every one of them crashed. The 11th time, 
He built a plane. He succeeded. Now, what if he had stopped at number nine or number eight? He would have never held that record. Like Edison, he tried over 700 different experiments with elements to discover what would work in a light bulb. Somebody said, what a waste. 700 failures? No, he said, it's not a waste. I know 700 things that don't work. Don't call it failure. Call it an education. Steadily plotting brings prosperity. A research company did a study on chief executives, and they found that of all the CEOs in America, the average time that they've been with their company has been 17 years. 24% of all CEOs have never worked for anybody else except the company they're with now. Now, in order to keep on keeping on when you're discouraged, you need to understand motivation. There are three types of motivation. You're motivated to work for one of these three reasons. The first would be the external motivation. I work for a paycheck. I work to win a trip to Hawaii. You know, I'm working so that that I won't go to jail. Many people only work because of external motivation. By the way, Scripture calls this person a hireling. You know, a, a hireling is one who is hired to take care of the sheep, but he doesn't own the sheep. And he doesn't care about the sheep. And so when the wolf comes, he abandons the sheep and he runs away. The wolf attacks the flock and, and the, the flock scatters because the hireling abandoned, the shepherd abandoned. Now, if you're thinking about being a pastor, you don't want to do it and be a hireling. I've known a few pastors that were in ministry just because of the paycheck. They didn't last very long because they only had that external motivation. Now, if that is all you got, it's better than no motivation at all. But there's also an internal motivation. That is, I work because it makes me feel good. It brings satisfaction. It raises my self-esteem. Many people work because of the feeling that they get when they complete a project. Now, these are okay motivations, external and internal but they don't carry you through a crisis. Proverbs says that you need a third kind of motivation. This is what I would call eternal motivation. You ought to be eternally motivated to do the work that you're called to do. Whether you're a taxi cab driver or a PhD professor, a salesman or a manager, or a mom at home with children under your feet, whatever you're doing, you need an eternal motivation. That'll help to keep you motivated. That means you're working for the Lord. Proverbs 3.24, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. Remember that the Lord will reward you for Christ is the real master that you serve. That eternal motivation. You know, one time a person came up to me and this person was for some reason was not too happy with me. And, uh, and he said, well, I'm not happy with the way you're leading our church. And he says, by the way, uh, I pay your paycheck. And I said, you don't pay my paycheck. He says, yes, I do. The church pays you, and I give to the church. I pay your paycheck. And I said, sir, you don't pay my paycheck. I says, the Lord takes care of my paycheck. When I think about that, uh, the only way that I could keep going is to have that eternal motivation, not working for men 
working for God. Well, it's Friday, and uh, the weekend is upon us, and I want to invite you to come to church this weekend. It's a great weekend to come and worship at Hickory Ridge Community Church, and uh, you'll find an opportunity to engage with other believers, and you'll find an opportunity also to make some really good friends. And our church is excited to be part of our community, and we'd love to invite you to come and worship with us. We have a wonderful small group ministry. We have a wonderful ministry called Celebrate Recovery. And the reason I always like to talk about Celebrate Recovery is because everybody needs help to get past their hurts, their habits, and their hang-ups. If you're interested in attending our Celebrate Recovery, it's Sunday night at 6 o'clock, every Sunday night at 6 o'clock. If you come at 5.30, we'll have a meal for you. And, uh, and I would love to meet you at Celebrate Recovery. If you need more information about Celebrate Recovery or our church, shoot me a quick text, 252-267-2365, and I'll tell you more about Celebrate Recovery, tell you more about Hickory Ridge Community Church. Thank you so much for listening today. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Why not come to worship this weekend? And why not drive on down to the southern part of Chesapeake and join us for worship at 9 o'clock or 1045. God bless you. I look forward to talking to you on Sunday. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ there is always hope for your heart.